0: Has your brand been struggling to reach the correct audience when advertising? We've all done it. Maximize privacy filters on our phones and apps because who wants to be talking about something for it to pop up mysteriously later? It's weird and everyone hates it. Did you know that podcast advertising is way more effective than display advertising? With 67% of listeners remembering brands and 63% making a purchase after hearing them. You know how much we love Zencaster and their new creator network is no different. Whether you want to diversify your ad spend, add a new marketing stream, or test out podcast ads, Zencasters Creator Network makes it easy for brands to connect with podcasters. Zencasters Creator Network is a perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favorite creators, like us. So stop wasting advertising dollars on ad campaigns that aren't targeting your niche audience. Let Zencasters Creator Network match you with podcasters who can ensure that your target audience is being reached. We love Zencaster so much, and being able to see ad opportunities come across our dashboard with a percentage match to see how much our audiences line up is game-changing. It helps creators really get behind brands that mean something to them. And with a podcast show for just about anything you can think of, your brand is no exception. Are you interested in sponsoring this show or podcast ads for your business? Go to zen.ai slash gruesome and fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business story to life.
1: Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I am Meg, and your matron of murder this evening, Connie, is going to tell us about Otto Nilsson. So when I covered the Jeanette De Palma case, I talked about the
0: murder of Joan Kramer and how her death is likely connected to Jeanette's. I told you guys I was going to talk about it, so that's what we're doing this week. But I want you guys to pay attention to this area in general, because we're going to talk at the end. You will never convince me that something spooky is not going on in this area. There are just too many. Was this the psych
1: ward guy? Yes. Okay. I was like, wait, this is the same. Trying to connect the dots. Gotcha. Okay. Psych ward. So just a little background on the night of August 15th,
0: 1972, Joan Kramer was entertaining friends at her childhood home with her boyfriend, Bernard David Hoff. Her parents had invited about 30 people over, including Joan and Bernard. At some point during the night, the couple had an argument, like, you know, many of us do when we're hanging out with boyfriends and family settings. She snuck out of the house and began the mile-and-a-half walk down the hill to the local downtown area of South Orange, New Jersey. She click-clacked her way, the mile-and-a-half in her heels. When she got to town, she did what most of us girls do. I just pick up my cell phone and complain to Megan about whatever it is my husband is doing. But this is 1972. So she found a payphone to call her friend. So she calls I got her a friend rant. And- yes. And that's sometimes all you need to do, right? You just need to get it off your chest. And then you're like, well, now that I've made my best
1: friend mad at my husband, I'm fine now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like I'll never look at him the same. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's hard to it's hard to abstain like your judgment, like when your friend is mad and they're telling you all the like things oh, you're yeah. mad about and you're just like, war. I'm mad now too. F that guy, F this. And then they're fine the next day, but you're still like, mm I'm my, mad. You, you my, need to apologize to me. <laughs>
0: my favorite
1: thing about you
0: is, whereas St. Karen will be quick to tell me if I'm being the crazy one, you are a ride or die.
1: <laughs> like you are like, yeah, I, I'm like, you have done nothing wrong ever and you have never life done life. anything wrong. ever in your life. Uh, so I guess I what, do ride or die for one person. Yeah.
0: That's just, but I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to kill anybody for her, but I'm going to hype her up like, <laughs> like crazy. So she calls her friend, Joe calls her friend in Manhattan to tell her about the fight that her and Bernard had. Her friend could tell that she was really upset and told her that she just needed to call a taxi and go back home. Joan assured her friend that's exactly what she was going to do. She then called her family and told them that she was on a deserted street in Newark and that she was going to be taking a taxi home shortly. And it is unclear why she told them she was in Newark when she was in South Orange. I, like, when I was first reading this, I was thinking, like, maybe she had been drinking, you know, like, you've been
1: drinking, like, you say things, like, it's just, you know, it's... Or maybe if it was only a mile away, maybe she didn't want them to come, like, get her. Get her, yeah. Or Or be like, like, you're just right down the road, I'll just come get you. Yeah. After
0: Joan left the phone that was at the end of the alley, instead of calling a taxi, she walked up to a car at the intersection of the base of the mountain where her parents lived and asked the driver for a ride home. This is about 1230 in the morning, and this would be the last time that anyone would see Joan alive. Joan Kramer was a free spirit. Her dad, Julian, was extremely wealthy. He was the president of Suburban Foods Incorporated and the Tantalef Beef Company. Joan was a feminist. She wore big hoop earrings. She broke into the office of the headmistress at her school. Just to like look through people's records. She actually picked one of her friends based off of what the IQ was when she was rummaging through these files. She like went up to the girl. And she was like, hey, I read your file. You're really smart. Do you want to be friends? <laughs> <laughs> I need help. Her parents described her as a, quote, true rarity, not just for her confidence and progressive views, but her outward appearance as well. She had long, light brown hair with shimmers of blonde that would peek through. She had a deep tan from that time that she would, all the time she would spend laying out with an aluminum foil reflector. Do you remember those?
1: <laughs> oh, I recall the baby oil and aluminum foil. Mm-hmm. She had
0: bright green eyes. And when she walked into a room, there was no way that you would not notice her. What a lot of people didn't know is that behind her larger-than-life personality, there was a lot of uncertainty regarding her health. Joan was battling lupus, an autoimmune disease. In 1972, it seemed to a lot of people that lupus was a death sentence. There weren't the advances in medicine that we see now. At the time of her disappearance, Joan was working on her doctorate in English at Columbia in NYC. So she's, like, this is the real deal. Like, she's beautiful. She's smart. She's great to be around. But of course, like we see in a lot of these, immediately people were like, wait, did she run away? Two days after Joe disappeared, her family started getting ransom calls from someone who had a West Indian or African accent asking for $20,000 in return for Joan's safe return. Her family had no problem paying the ransom. He just wanted to make sure that Joan was okay, especially without her steroid pills that were crucial in her surviving. The assurance that Joan was okay came in the form of a loud scream, which Julian assumed came from his daughter. So he made the arrangements to have the money dropped off. On two separate occasions, the money wasn't picked up from the secret location that was agreed upon. Each time the caller would call the Kramer home and say, the next call that he would be placing would be to tell them where Joan's body was. And obviously, like, no family wants to hear that, especially when, one, they know time is of the essence because Joan doesn't have her medication. And two, they're doing everything they can to try to make sure the money is where it's supposed to be. The family tried a third time to drop the money off. Only this time, her older brother, Orin, was also going to try to follow the guy who was picking up the money. As soon as Julian put the money in the phone booth, the phone inside of it rang. The voice on the other end said, I'm watching you, which is so creepy. The creepiest. Julian dropped the bag and left, thinking that this would be the time that he got his daughter back. Someone grabbed the money, like, very quickly. It was so fast that Oren wasn't even able to see who it was or where they went. But the person had the money now, right? So all they're thinking is, we're going to get Joan home. Like, we paid the ransom. We did everything we were supposed to do. But unfortunately, the efforts of her family were fruitless because the person who just scammed the family out of $20,000 wasn't the person who had kidnapped Joan. Joan had never been held hostage. The person calling would later be determined, and this is like years down the road, it was a senior person on the South Orange Homicide Team. So it was a police officer.
1: Ew, what the... the Not cool. This is the very but to put that hope that you're gonna get your daughter back, like we can pay it, it's no trouble, and then to find out that it was someone you thought was supposed to help you, help you, yeah. And this is the same team that's gonna be helping out, like
0: with Joan's case. So the accident was fake, the scenario was fake, and it cost the family like precious time and twenty thousand dollars on August twenty eighth, almost two weeks after Joan was looking for a ride home her nude body was found face down inside of Union's Elizabeth River Park, seven miles from home by two teenagers who were hiking the footpath. Joan's severely decomposed body was almost completely hidden by bushes. Whoever killed her had also tried to bury her clothes with a pickaxe that was found nearby. Police would also discover that her wallet had actually been found by teenagers a couple of days after she disappeared. But the kids didn't come forward until after her body had been found. So they never called and was like, hey, we found her wallet. So I don't know if they were doing something like they weren't supposed to, and that's how they found the wallet.
1: If They had taken the stuff out of the wallet, like money or something, and thought they were going to get in trouble.
0: Her shoes and a necklace that she always wore would also never be found. And remember, Jeanette De Palma was wearing a necklace as well that had been stolen from her. Her autopsy would show where she had her neck fractured, collapsing her windpipe, showing that it was likely she died from manual strangulation. Due to the advanced decomposition of Joan's body and exposure to the elements, they were unable to determine if she had been sexually assaulted. But she was found nude, so they kind of prepared for the worst, yeah. So to recap, if you're like, all right, Connie, you're taking us all over the place, like what are we, how are we going to link all these together? Jeanette went missing on August 7th. And Joan went missing on August 15th. Both were found in similar positions, both were likely strangled, and their bodies were only six miles apart from each other. Both went missing after trying to hitchhike. So I don't think that it takes a rocket science to believe that these deaths are related or they had two, which is even scarier if they have two people operating in the same area at the same time.
1: Didn't Jeanette have like a bunch of weird stuff around her body when she was found, or was that? So remember, it, they
0: had like three different people saw three different things, and it could be like they assumed like some of the stuff was just to hide her body. Okay, but that's and what that was the biggest difference is they had this like satanic aspect to it. It's like what
1: they were to Jeanette and not yeah to Jeanette to, not to Jones, correct.
0: A tip line was set up after Jeanette's body was found to try to help in the search for who killed both girls. But no saw the leads ever came for Emma. A woman said she saw Joan get into the car with a man at the intersection and was able to give a detailed enough description that a composite sketch was able to be made. And like we see a million times over, he looked familiar to a lot of the neighbors in the area. Otto Neil Nilsson was born on October 13, 1934. He went to college, he joined the military, he got married, he had five kids, he was an accountant, he lived in an affluent neighborhood, he was loved by everyone around him, and I guess that he was really good at pulling teeth, and before you're like, what the hell does that mean? Kids in the neighborhood who had loose teeth would come to him, and he was the resident tooth fairy who would, like, pull their teeth for them. Like, did he have just, like, an extra flair or what was... (laughs) I don't know. Like, I guess it was, like, he would do it very quick and it was, like, not as painful. Sometimes I think it's just not as painful if your parents aren't the ones doing it.
1: I literally just spent, before we started recording, one hour convincing my daughter. Well, she told me that I needed to pull her tooth. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Then she was too scared. And then I finally got in there to get it and I couldn't get it out. So, you know, maybe we do need a resident person for something like that. I just think it wasn't loose enough. But
0: I remember our middle son, his bottom teeth. He had not lost any teeth yet. And his bottom teeth had a hole. Like, his his permanent teeth were growing in, like, directly behind it. It was like he had two rows of teeth. And when I tell you that I traumatized this kid. Because I (laughs) pulled both of his teeth were so loose, which is obviously like you have teeth growing behind it. Like, come on, it's time. But I made him like literally like held him down so I could pull his teeth because he was like, not, he was like, no, they'll just fall out. And I'm like, clearly not. Cause like you, they
1: grew behind. Yep. She says that, I was I was like, are you wiggling them to try to get them a little looser? And she said, I don't touch them. I don't even eat with them. I'm just going to let them fall out on their own. I was like, Atta they're girl. not if you never touch them. <laughs> <laughs> That's an Aquarius way. Like,
0: I'm just going to avoid this completely, and it's not. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly it is. Digress. Go on. <laughs> Sorry, we digress. So by all accounts of these neighbors, like... Nilsen was the neighbor to have. He was great. He, people loved it when he would show up at pool parties. They would just like drink and have a good time. And this is like when I tell you Joan's family lived at the base of a mountain, it's like they are very wealthy. Like this is a very nice area. We talked about this in Jeanette's. Like it's a very nice area where all these people live. People were like her, Jeanette's house was so nice. They thought like her family was in the mafia. Like, cause no one really knew what anyone was doing. So by all accounts, he was a great neighbor until 1970. Him and his wife, Carol, started drinking heavily. And not just like, I'm going to go have a drink with my friends. Like, drinking to the point that their house got condemned. Their children had to, like, be deloused there. It was clutter and gross just everywhere.
1: What does it mean when your children are deloused? Like, Like they have lice. Like, like they they have bugs. They have mice crawling all over their bodies. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I would so it was just like, gross like they stopped taking care of everything. everything around them. Which you will never I will never be the person
0: to like shit on someone who gets to that level of addiction because I know addiction is a real mental health disorder. Like you get into the throes of addiction like that and there is just you can't see a light at the end of the tunnel. Like we do know that recovery is possible and like you have to work for it, but when you're that deep into it it just doesn't seem like it's an option. And people can be that addicted to alcohol. I know like in 2022, we just think of like the hard drugs, but clearly, because he wasn't doing They were just drinking, which turns into not just drinking. It turns into this whole thing. Well, Carol finally got sober and she left Nilsen. She couldn't take his erratic, crazy behavior. So one night he snapped. He heard his wife was talking about Carol Ann Farino, who was another teenager who had been murdered in the area a few years prior. What? Like, yeah. Oh, I'm not even, we're not even done, Meg. Like, that's what I'm telling you. This whole area is wild. Like Joan, her shoes had also never been found and she had been strangled. Everyone started putting the pieces together and realizing that Nilsson could very well be the guy that was out murdering these teenage girls. And he lost his mind. When he realized that when he went to their old home where Carol lived with the kids, he broke down the door to get in. When she wasn't there, he went to a neighbor and tried to do the same thing to their house. Only the Greg residents had teenagers who were like state champion wrestlers. So when Nelson comes in, like he knocked down, like beat down their door too. They fought back. And the teenagers essentially beat the hell out of Nelson Cause he, they were, He was attacking their dad. The police were called, and when Nilsen got to the police station, they realized that he matched the composite of the suspect in Joan's murder. And it's been two years at this point since Joan has been murdered. And they had, in that time, they had no leads for Jeanette, and they had no leads for Joan. So Nilsen was ordered to undergo a 15-day psychiatric evaluation, and once that was completed, a two-year suspended sentence. And that was for the break-in at the Greg residence, not for the murder of Joan Kramer. Literally days after he was released, two more girls were murdered. 17-year-old Mary Ann Pryor and her friend Lorraine Marie Kelly had went to the mall to spend a gift certificate that Mary Ann had received the month prior for her birthday. Within hours of leaving... Both of the girls' families knew that something was wrong because it wasn't like them to not give them a, the family a heads up if they were going to be late. Of course, the police told them that they had to wait twenty four hours before they were officially able to report them missing, and even when they were finally able to report the girls missing, just like in Jeanette and Jones' case, they assumed it was the result of a runaway situation. Lorraine's boyfriend was questioned because he was the last person to see the girls because. Before they disappeared, so he dropped them off at the bus stop to p- take the bus to the mall, and he was supposed to pick them up when they were done.
1: I got and at the no vibe. point they're not like, hey, but you know, there's a bunch of other young women being murdered in this area. What's going mm-hmm. on with that? Well, and then
0: during this time, you also have which, if you have watched The Watcher on Netflix, it's like this isn't like a spoiler. It's based off of the List family murders where he murdered his entire family and, like, you know, arranged them in the house. This is all happening in the same area. So the families had started, like, putting up flyers. They had done, you know, like, they were doing everything they can. But I got vibes of the Grimes sisters because a whole wrench was thrown in the investigation because a waitress thought she had seen the girls at, like, outside of the restaurant. They had... The girls matched the descriptions that she gave. So it turned, even the news reports were like, this is a runaway situation. There's no reason to believe there was any foul play. So the family, and I mean, if it were me, I would be not excited that my child ran away. But if I thought that like they were still alive, I would be clinging to that, you know?
1: Yeah, I definitely wouldn't be like, oh, they ran away. Hopefully they come home. I'd be like, let's go find them. Let's go to where we think they ran away to. But even after a brief stint of hope, a grisly discovery was
0: uncovered on August 14th, 1974. 59-year-old Ennis Perry saw the nude bodies of two girls in a sloped wooded area only about 10 feet from her car. They were lying face down, parallel to each other. Trigger warning, this is going to talk about sexual assault. Both girls were found with ropes tied around their necks and soda drink bottles inserted into their vaginas.
1: Oh, what the fuck? fuck
0: yikes there was very little blood present at the scene so it's assumed that the girls were murdered elsewhere before it, like they were dumped at this wooded location they had ligature marks around their feet and ankles consistent with like a hog tied position and the reason this case like the murders of these two girls like the they were uncovered very quickly as far as like they weren't exposed to the elements like Jeanette and Joan. Because like we knew with Jeanette, they couldn't even really dis- they couldn't figure out anything what had happened. I mean, her body was discovered after a dog brought her arm to
1: his owner. Oh, yeah, that's awful.
0: Yeah, so it's, they were exposed to the elements like to, on an extreme level, whereas, you know, these girls weren't. So Marianne and Lorraine, they didn't think at first that they were, related because there was such an escalation. But I say, how do we know there was an escalation if we don't really, we weren't able to get a lot of evidence from Jeanette and Joan, you know? And it's- Exactly, yeah. And I go back to, either you have someone who is committing the exact same type of crimes, like you have a serial killer on your hands, or you have more than one person who is doing the exact same things to young
1: girls, which is terrifying. even if that's the case, if, say he had done that when he lived with his- wife and now he wasn't living with his wife he would have a place to keep people inside you know mm-hmm. like he wouldn't it wouldn't be like i have to do this outside and then get back home it would be like he has somewhere where he can do these terrible things Mm-hmm. unfortunately
0: as the fall came to a close and winter set in the officers were no closer to finding who murdered any of the four girls a woman who had come forward that recognized joan kramer getting into the car was given, she's the same one who did the composite sketch. So she's given this like mugshots essentially of all these people, and she immediately picked out Otto Nilsson as the person she saw Joan get into the car with. So on January 10th of that next year, he was finally arrested for the murder of Joan. They were finally able to get the warrant, like the arrest warrant signed. And we're going to, like I said, we're going to talk about another strange event that happened while Otto was waiting to go to trial at the end of the case. But he finally went to trial on July 9th, 1975. And after a train wreck of a trial, I am talking train wreck. One where the original key witness couldn't identify Nilsen because over the six months that he had been in prison, he had grown this like huge thick beard and refused to shave it for the trial. So she had, she was like, I can't 100% say. There was another woman who, when she was questioned on the stands, couldn't say for sure whether she actually saw Joan or just someone similar to Joan getting into this car. There was a young deputy who recanted seeing Nilsen with Joan because he was supposed to be in an alcohol treatment facility at the time, and he had literally, like, snuck out to drink.
1: And so, all of that. So, instead like, of bringing justice, which is literally your job, you're like, ah, oh, I definitely didn't mm-hmm. see anything because I was supposed to be not drinking, but I was out drinking. Mm-hmm. What a turd. And he was, like,
0: an in inpatient at the time. Like, he was, hes yeah. literally snuck out of this inpatient thing. butt so all- butthead. You can imagine prosecutions like just being utterly pissed when over it because he was found not guilty.
1: (gasps) Oh, more like I want to yell other things, but more heads. What the heck? This is baloney. And it's because he wouldn't shave his stupid beard, right? You can't shave it off of a person. You can't be like, guess what? I'm shaving your beard. Yeah, like, hey, bitch, that beard's mine. Like, I'm that's my beard. You. I would have like slid a twenty to a couple of prisoners and been like, "Here's an electric razor. Get this beard off of this idiot."
0: Yeah, like, shank him if you have to. <laughs> we won't care. The courts believed that he was the murderer so much that they unofficially closed Joan's case because, you know, thanks to double, je- double jeopardy laws. He wasn't able to be tried again. Oh, and then one so of lame. one of the spooky things that came out of this trial was the mentioning of I briefly talked about this when I when we did the Jeanette case Jeanette De Palma case. So her cousin woke up in the middle of the night and said, There is Jeanette got into a car with a guy. Uh, it was a four door green car. Like that's who took Jeanette. And her parents were like, uh, okay. But it came out in the trial. that That's the exact same car that Otto Nielsen drove. A four-door green sedan.
1: Green car. Ugh.
0: But Otto Nielsen didn't get out of, you know, didn't dodge that murder conviction and just like live a peaceful life. Because on September 13th, 1976, he walked into the East Orange VA hospital with a high-powered rifle in both of his hands. He was having a psychotic break, accusing medical doctors of being involved in a conspiracy to keep him away from his kids. His kids were living with Carol, so they weren't like being held from him. He just was off being like a little out there. The FBI had to be called in to handle the hostage situation, and it lasted over four hours. He was eventually diagnosed as having been suffering from paranoid schizophrenia Something that he had been told three years ago when he did his 15-day hospital stay that he suffered from. This time when he went to trial, because he was facing like eight counts of like, you know, kidnapping, hostage, you know, the whole, the whole shebang. And he was sentenced to the Trenton Psychiatric Hospital. And it was one of those like until further notice because they recognized like he was in a mental health crisis and he could hurt himself or he could hurt someone else. We talked about in the Jeanette De Palma episode how Jeanette's siblings were being like followed and they there was a man with a gun outside of their house, like being like, who lives here, like threatening them. That also happened to Joan when she was presented with like Joan's family, when they were presented with pictures of Otto Nielsen, like with and without beards, they were like, I can say that this is the guy that did this to us.
1: Who's just hanging outside their houses without guns? I don't even remember that part of the story. Yeah. When the common denominator,
0: like, in these, like, harassments, because, like, they, Joan's family kept getting calls even after she had been murdered. Same with Jeanette's family. The common denominator seemed that Otto Nielsen was charged with escaping from the psychiatric hospital during both of these times. But ever since, like, the whole time Otto was, like, in the psychiatric hospital or in prison or any of this, no more girls were murdered. Like, he was the common factor. So weird how that happens. At some point, he was released from the psychiatric hospital, but things were, you know, never the same for him. Everyone knew that he was a murderer. He actually, he died in a car crash in
1: 1981. But he still got out of the ward or the Uh hospital?
0: he he wasn't even there for very long. Because, like, you think 1976, 1981... Not very long. I feel like Meg and I have created a tiny army of podcasters, and we are obsessed with that. You know, we love to tell you all of the things that make our job as podcasters easier, so we couldn't not tell you about Soundstripe. The hardest thing for content creators can be finding the perfect soundtrack for your show. Soundstripe has royalty-free music that is the perfect addition to any podcast, TikTok, YouTube channel, Twitch stream, Make your stories more powerful with stellar, royalty-free background music. Enjoy unlimited access, new music every week, and STEM files that are easily searched by mood, the use, or genre. There's over 8,000-plus songs composed by Grammy-winning artists. There are plans to fit every need starting at just $9.99 a month, including plans with unlimited commercial and client use. They even have sound effects if you just need that extra oomph to take your content to the next level. Don't get embarrassed by a copyright claim. Check out Soundstripe today. Use our special link, zen.ai slash sound to access unlimited royalty-free music for your content. And be sure to use our promo code podcast at checkout to save 10% off of any subscription plan. But this is another thing why I'm saying like this area is creepy as shit. So the officers also started thinking like this area was cursed. And it, I think it is because so we have four young girls who were murdered. We have the list family murders that we have talked about, but while Nielsen was waiting to go to trial, there was another like murder suicide. And actually I didn't realize, cause I had heard about this case before. I didn't realize like the proximity of like all of this area, like how it's all literally like the same town, essentially William Nelson, not to be confused with Odo or Otto Nielsen, but he was out with his friends doing like typical teenage stuff. Right. But they saw, so they're out, like, driving around, and they see 15-year-old Greg Sanders walking. They were going to stop, and they're like, oh, look, it's Greg. But they didn't stop. And, like, luckily for them, they didn't. Because what they didn't realize is that Greg was about to climb to the top of a 150-foot water tower. Trigger warning. We're going to talk about suicide. Um, and cut his own wrist before jumping to his death. Oh, my gosh. And you're like, Connie, why would he do that? It's because when the police... The police got to his parents' house to like let them know like their son had taken his own life and they walked into a horrific scene because Greg had murdered his parents and left a note like saying like I'm sorry, I'm not mad at my parents anymore. But he murdered his parents with an axe. Like when they walked in his dad still had like the axe embedded into his head.
1: Oh my gosh. So he murdered That's his parents. It's like family. my worst nightmare. I think about that too often. Like, what if one day my kid snaps and murders me with an axe? But, like, he, how, what is going
0: on in this area? It's either like extremely just like violent, which I'm assuming is not the case, or there's something real weird going on.
1: Lead poisoning.
0: (laughs) Hey, you never know. Like, it's just there's too many coincidences there's too many like family annihilations and serial
1: killers and i thought about uh do you know what the population for that area is like wh- how many people are in that area i don't know
0: what the area's population was in 19 like 70s and early 80s but it's like a, it's sixty thousand now so it's not like a I, th- I think that's big. I'll be honest. I sound real stupid saying that, but like I live in a town of like 5,000 people, I think. So <laughs> I see 60,000 and I'm like, holy shit, that's huge. That's the biggest city I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> Maybe we have 10,000 now, but still.
0: So like there's all this stuff going on. You're just not going to convince yeah, me that there's not something. Muncie,
1: Muncie Indiana has like 60,000 people.
0: Oh, okay. So it's like It'll comparable.
1: Be like, yeah, I would say probably around there man
0: she's like what's in the water and also i never want to visit
1: (laughs) i'm not going there
0: no it's just weird that there were that many like brutal things it wasn't like oh there was a bunch of house fires
1: it's like and has that continued into the future or is it just did it pretty much cut off in the 70s and like 80s i didn't read anything if there is like coming out like now then i haven't like i haven't seen as much as that so i'm not sure are you from there anyone can you clarify (laughs) do you guys still have a bunch of serial killers running around or any horrific things happening to you on a regular basis
0: I just feel like the way um when Marianne and Lorraine were found and their bodies were positioned specifically like parallel to each other I got the vibes of Jeanette's because their her body was positioned very specifically as well you know Mm -hmm. And I almost feel like this level of brutality is what Joan and Jeanette experienced. They said that when Jeanette's body was found, like she obviously had like taken off running, running, running. She had taken off running. Um, cause like her purse had been like scattered everywhere and there, you know? So it's like, you know, like it was, I can't even put myself in the position to like, imagine like what happened, like what they were experiencing at that time or like how they must be feeling. But it was too, I mean, Jeanette and Joan were, two weeks apart so like their deaths have to be connected like you know what are the odds
1: yeah i would say all of them
0: are yeah i think so too especially when it's like oh he he was locked up and then he's pissed off that he was locked up and then he gets out and murders two girls
1: and it does feel like an escalation like it feels Mm -hmm. like a he was pissed and mad and so it's yeah and he mutilated i mean mutilated those other girls those last girls
0: it would be interesting to see all if their there's like shoes. more. Yep. And then they said that like he lived with his mom in Union around the time like when Jeanette was murdered, which they hadn't realized at first, which put him even closer to where like living closer to where Joan
1: and Jeanette were, their bodies were found. Wow. Well, Otto Nelson, you really suck. I can't believe you got not guilty. And then only did a little bit in the, Mm -hmm. after the hostage situation. Like that's a person who needed to be locked up.
0: When you're, when you serve on a jury though, and you're beyond a reasonable doubt and you're, honestly, it's the prosecution's fault. Like they should have had stronger, you know, they should have had a stronger case in that situation because they had, I mean, they're, all their witnesses were like, Oh, I don't know. I can't say for sure. And then that plants that reasonable doubt. And it's like, you're sentencing someone like to murder charges. You want it to have like no reasonable doubt, even though everyone knew that he was it's I would expect more of a hung jury versus
1: not guilty. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there could be like a SVU episode based on this. <laughs> <laughs> like it sounds like one it does sound like every law and order i've ever watched <laughs> so i call he's back he's gone oh well, look at the beard but he died in 81 so it was like 72 to 81 mm-hmm he died in a car wreck
0: but like after like this little stint in the psyche there's like not much else about him he like reclused hopefully Good. Hopefully, but like paranoid, like I do, I can empathize with his like mental health crisis. Like if he's a schizophrenic, then it doesn't excuse his behaviors, but it explains some of them. If he's like checked out from reality and I'm assuming uh, in based off of like experience, when you add alcohol to any of that, it's not a good situation.
1: Yeah, he's schizoaffective and just out there living reality as it is. Not going to be a good time for him. No. Especially when you're self-medicating.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't... Like, obviously, you could have schizophrenia. You could be a paranoid schizophrenic, and the likelihood of you murdering someone is not very high. Like, it's
1: not like that's an... Oh, look, they're schizophrenic. They're going to murder someone. Everyone. They always do this. Yeah, actually, that's not... Most that's mostly not the case, <laughs> yeah. It's like people who have
0: like who are bipolar and they're like, Oh, well, you know, they were bipolar, and it's like, Okay, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, something to have trouble. I hate stigmas, like, I hate stigmas when it comes to anything mental health. It's like my who gets me fired up, especially like girl stigmas, like when it comes to like. Oh, you're a girl. So, what do you got going on? Like, what problems can you have?
1: A lot. I have a lot of problems.
0: Actually, all the problems. Like, you name a problem and I fucking have it. So, <laughs> how about you tell me problems I don't have? The list would be shorter. Like, we had Trending. a meeting, we had a meeting at work today and no one knew what it was about. And instantly, I was like, I'm getting fired. <laughs>
1: One hundred percent. They're going to invite the whole team to watch them fire me, and they're going to use me as a lesson within the company. Yeah, they're like, like everyone we fire. <laughs> don't don't be like Connie. We wanted you to all see what will happen to you if you are. And in reality, it
0: was like a performance based award that we all got. And I was like, oh okay, <laughs> just
1: kidding. You guys are doing a great job. No one was getting fired, except for Connie. Get out. That's fine. Oh. I do that. Not Not with uh, not with getting fired, but like if any, time anybody is like, hey, can I talk to you? I'm like, you're so mad at me. You hate everything I do. I'm so sorry. I'm already ready to apologize for what I've done, <laughs> even if I have not done anything. I'm like, and they're like, do you want to go get tacos on Tuesday? I'm like, hey, they're like, they're, like, they're like, oh, you left your like one of the girls I go to school with came in and she was like, oh, hey. And I was like what? She's like, you left your cup in the classroom. I was like, oh, oh, thank you so much.
0: <laughs> I thought you were about to yell at me for something. <laughs> right? Like, I realized I... That, that, like, uh, or you could feel the cells burning in your body. That's I, That's how I describe it. It's like everything lights up and you can
1: feel the cells burning. It's like adrenaline. Yeah, That's not a but normal response. And I did it, not know that. Whatever the opposite of adrenaline is, it's like, it feels you, like adrenaline, but it's scary. Like yeah, it's like you're going to vomit. I didn't
0: know that was in a normal response because I started a new medicine where that has pretty much like been taken care of. And I was like, wait a second. What is... Why, why do I feel like puking right now?
1: My, <laughs> I don't want to assume the worst at every turn. So I'll weird. T- Growing up, the only money advice that I ever received was cash is king. Pay your bills, you'll build your credit. It wasn't until I was an adult that I walked into a car dealership and tried to buy a car with absolutely no credit and then had to leave still carless that I figured maybe I should learn what my credit score was and how it worked. Imagine my surprise when I realized that there are actually more than 28 different FICO scores. Extra credit from credit.com is great because it gives you access to 28 of those scores and you see what the lenders see. You can report your rent to the credit bureaus. You can report your utilities to TransUnion to help build your credit. There is the added perk of getting cash rewards on select personalized offers as well. I would never want anyone else to be in a situation where they realized that the rent that they had been paying for five years wasn't going toward their credit, or that they didn't have any credit so their options were minimal for buying a car, a house, or anything that they needed. To sign up for extra credit, go to credit.com slash gruesome and get started there. To sweeten the deal, you get the first seven days absolutely free. It is $24.99 a month plus tax after the free trial, but you can cancel anytime. Go check out extra credit today and start working on your credit goals. I'll
0: tell you guys like a funny, embarrassing, like secondhand embarrassment for me, sorry. My husband... We had a very rough soccer game with my son. Like he, it was not (laughs) on his, it wasn't like on him. Like it was just, you know, the ref was from the other school. It was just this whole like shitty soccer situation. They had a girl on the team. And this is hard for me because I'm very much a feminist when it comes to like my daughter will fuck you up if she needs to. And I'm good with that. Like, I'm raising a tiny little tyrant and I'm good with it. This girl was also like a very aggressive girl. And the girl in me was like, hell yeah, girl, do your thing. But the mom in me, because it was like towards my son, it was just not a good thing. And it was like a boy girl situation where he kept getting calls and it finally just took my husband over the edge. And he walked his glasses to the referee. And I should preface this with these are not that it's not the type of thing where they're like high school refs like this wasn't a grown man it was a grown adult which doesn't make him like taking his glasses because he took his glasses over to the guy was like hey ref do you need these and he was like no so you can make some calls and then he said some other things that like were so fucking embarrassing but as he was walking over to the ref this is how I do my medicine was working because I was like, oh, look at him! I bet he's gonna go talk to like what, like our friend who, like, is on the soccer board, and then he like made a left over to the ref. And I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't hit him. He didn't even tell
1: you what he was gonna go do. He was just like, he this just is the decision away. I'm making. He knew I would talk him out of it. Children's I sports, had, man. I know it's like twelve. <laughs> years, like, come on. And like as he was, like you become twelve years old in that moment. Our, our friends were like,
0: ah, uh, he's going to the refs, and I was like, damn it! So I like. It was like 40 degrees. I'm in like my full L.L. Bean like coat, like all bundled up. And I just like point and snap and I'm like, go home. <laughs> He's already embarrassed me. I'm like, go home. And he, then he apologized. You're out of here. You and then I red carded him and sent him home. Like kicked well, that's him out. What he told the, because the rep is like, I'm going to give you a card. And he was like, give me a card, you pussy. And I was like,
1: like I'm going to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's that's if it like, I'll never do it I'll never do kids' sports because there's always going to be that dad or that mom at the game and I don't want to <laughs> approach them under any circumstances like I do not want that well behind life.
0: every dad there's a mom that's like oh my god I am so embarrassed right now like you
1: I mean- know what I get secondhand embarrassment from Watching people kiss on TV, like I get secondhand embarrassment from that. I would die of mortification. Like, I would be like, No, I am no longer a human, I would become a puddle. And well, the best part is our son's gonna ref next year, like, he's gonna ref for like the
0: little kids. It's like he is gonna have to experience a parent like you. And my husband's like, Well, then I would just
1: do that again towards that parent. I'm like, No. Please Maybe don't. he should, like, start practicing with him, like, throw scenarios. Be like, okay, this parent comes up to you. They say this. but well, sh- And then, like, my my husband is a Boy
0: Scout, guys. Like, he's a Boy Scout leader. He is, like, a pillar. He's friends with, like, the guy who, like, runs it. And I actually, I made him call our friend the next day. I was like, you call and apologize because those are his refs that you just called a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, like... He was, like, on the phone, like, apologizing, and it was, like, one of those, like, kids it's like, anything else? Like, is there anything else I need to say? No, you're good. Just tell him you're sorry again.
1: That's some suburban drama right there. It was I very really like suburban.
0: It. <laughs> that, it was a good feeling. I was like, I didn't want my medicine to tell me that it was working this way now. Like, that's not, like, the way I would like to find out, but it is nice to know that I can be put into a stressful situation and not vomit.
1: <laughs> like, Progress. <laughs> oh now how do we just get him to not yell cuss words at refs for 12 year old talker
0: (laughs) i don't know because if you are a patron you know that like we have openly joked about my me having a thing for guys that have a dash of trash and i was caught somewhere between like
1: mortification and being like that's the hottest thing i've ever seen you do I was thinking about the dash of trash, and I was trying to like think of mine, and I found I realized what mine is. What's your dash um, of trash? And it's being attracted to like dirty skater boys, like oh, Johnny Knox, sure. like Johnny Knoxville, and like shit like that, like dumb, stupid skater boys. Yep. And I was like, yep, I'm. That's my dash of trash. It's right there. I was there the whole time, and I was making fun of Connie for it. Yeah, like I wasn't different. Call you- I wasn't going to call you out but like you're welcome to call me out at any point again I'll always just be like well, yeah then you're you like-
0: You know <laughs> I went through like I like I'm a little angry which I know is a trauma response
1: for like a, <laughs> like it's not like something that I should like, like. I can heal you you will i, will I once fix told you. people like I tr- I always end up finding like the meanest person in the room and being like I'm going to make you like me we're going to be friends like I that's think it's how I respond. Like the two of us. Like that's us. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're angry. You're not angry with me though. Let's be buddies. Like I don't know. I just there's something about that brings me joy when I can like make people that seem like they hate everything and everyone like, uh, like a little delighted.
0: You know, I, I, think think I think that's why we got along so well in schools because we never liked the same type of boys. Like you liked your dirty skater boys, and I liked the dirty <laughs> band boys. <laughs> I was like, scream, they were a little angry, like scream, <laughs> cry to me. If you're not singing Emily to me from first to last at the top of your lungs, I don't want it. <laughs> oh, how embarrassing. Oh, I had a boy once tell me that all hail the heartbreaker reminded him of me. And then I listened to it and I was like, that's really fucking mean. <laughs> Actually
1: never talk to me again. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Good, sir.
1: I want to hear about heard- this. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I can tell you, you about do. the prank that I played on my husband. It was a I long know. con. Ooh, I love a long con. It was pretty great. Um, and I thought, I might not have told you about it, but I might have already told you about it. So a couple months ago, we went to Target, and he found this like track jacket. It was blue, had red stripes down the sleeves. And he was like, I really like this track jacket. It's really cool. And he like put it on. He's like, oh I was like, looks like Ted Lasso. And he was like, Who's Ted Lasso? And I was like, You should get it. You should get that jacket. (laughs) It looks cool on you. And then like in my in my head, I just was like, mental note made. And then uh my (laughs) my daughter had another wiggly tooth and he grew a mustache. Uh, and he was like, I'm just going to let it fall out on its own. He kept making that joke. But I had told him, I was like, you should grow a mustache. You know, Mm. just grow one. Just grow a mustache. And then he was like, you think so? I was like, yeah, grow a mustache, and then you can make that joke, you know, that'll fall out on its own. And uh, so then we went to Chicago a couple weeks after that, and he saw a picture of Ted Lasso, and he was like, I look like I'm fucking cosplaying at this guy. You just let me walk around with a mustache and this track jacket that matched him. And I was like, yes, nailed it. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful And he had been wearing this moment. mustache. I want to see him with a mustache because he's blonde. Yep. He's still got it. He's still rocking the mustache. People keep like asking him. It. I've heard him get called a pedophile. I've heard him get called a porn star. I've heard him get called pretty much every name in the book for having this mustache. But- I think it suits him. I think it suits him. I and seen he looks it. looks like he's cosplaying as Ted Lasso when he wears the stretch jacket. <laughs> is he gonna go as Ted Lasso for Halloween? Because now I feel like he, he doesn't to. even know who that is. Like he had only that he's only seen the picture. And I was like, I'm I think if you the whistle. show, you would... <laughs> right. I'm doing
0: it. I'm doing it right now. I'm sending him a
1: whistle. <laughs> Amazon it to our house. Uh, anyway, that was my long. To, I'm gonna put two Ted Lasso on. <laughs> Maybe I'll make him watch it. They can be like, hey. Whistle for coaches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can get a two-pack for
0: $6.99, baby.
1: <laughs> I feel like that's so expensive for whistles. You know, what? someone straight. had to make the whistle, It's that's an art, I'm sure. It's a whistle art, and I'm adding it to I, my cart. I wonder right if there's, now. like, artisan artisan whistle
0: makers. Well, there's, you know, bedazzled cheese graters, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cheese artisan slices. whistle makers, for sure. Okay, and on that, now we can go. Yeah, on that now. Enjoy your week, friends. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime, a Zencaster-powered podcast. Seriously, we wouldn't be here without them. Zencaster is simple to use and makes it easy to edit your own podcast. Zencaster gives you automatic, high-quality post-production sound, transcription, and HD video recordings of all all of your episodes. If you want to start a podcast and we think you should click the link in the show notes or at our website and use the code gruesome with a capital G for 30% off your first three months. We love you beautiful strangers.
0: And if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support gruesome. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple podcast or a five-star rating on Spotify. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcasts on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us
1: on our posts. Join the Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing
0: from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us your questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is
1: a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. (laughs) Bye.